everyone. Welcome to Keeping a Notebook. I'm Nina LaCour. I had a small moment of crisis, as I am prone to do, after I released the first two episodes of this season, wondering, does anyone actually want to hear me read to them? Will this feel like the intimate, behind-the-scenes sharing that I'm intending, or will it just feel like blatant self-promotion? This is the anxiety spiral I spend far too much time spinning in. Logic tells me that you're here in the first place because you want to hear from me. Self-doubt and a whole lot of societal conditioning tells me not to take up your time. But in the midst of this, I got a message from a listener telling me that those first two episodes were magic. And just like that, I was ready to compose two more. Someday, I hope, external validation won't be such a driver of my decisions. But for now, thank you for listening. And if you've written to me or shared this podcast with friends or on social media, thank you so much for that too. With so many projects I'm passionate about, sometimes I find it difficult to know where to focus my energy. Knowing that people are listening and finding meaning in this one keeps it on my list of things to make. This is the last episode of the Watch Over Me launch season. It's a little bit scattered, a little all over the place, but that feels inevitable right now. I'm going to tell you about two workshops I'm offering. I'll let you know how launch week went. And finally, I'm going to tell you about two writing projects I'm working on. And through that, we'll think about truth and beauty and coping with reality through art, which feels like a good place to end on for now. Okay, so the workshops, and my apologies if you just listened to me read to you about these yesterday. But the first one is on Saturday, September 26th at 9 a.m. Pacific time in partnership with my friends at If You Were Here Now. I really hope that you'll join me for this one. It will last just an hour And what we'll do is I'll guide you through a writing exercise that's aimed toward helping you imagine a world of your own making. Maybe you're working on a novel or a story and this place already exists. In that case, I'll invite you to go deeper into it. And maybe you aren't even a writer at all. Maybe this just sounds like a nice way to spend a meditative hour on a Saturday morning. And you are welcome to join us too. There will be lots of quiet, room for discovery, and companionship in the process. I envision that you'll brew yourself a cup of coffee or steep a cup of tea and sit and grab your notebook and your computer, and we'll just spend an hour writing together. It's $10, and the proceeds will go to a great indie bookstore, Diesel, where I used to work. Like many other small businesses, they are struggling during the pandemic, so the money we raise here will go to their GoFundMe. The second workshop is very different, and it's based on my new novel, Watch Over Me. You'll need to read the book before you come, so think of it like a book club but for writers. It's a free event hosted along with my friend and colleague, Alana K. Arnold. Many of you, I'm sure, know about her. She's a wonderful writer. And it's all about drafting, reading, and responding to a work in progress. Alana read multiple drafts of Watch Over Me. We've done this for each other for the last couple novels we've written. And she offered me feedback and ideas along the way, as I do for her in her own work. We push each other to make our novels as strong as they can be. 
So for this hour and a half long workshop, we'll be using Watch Over Me as a case study for all the work that you do on a novel before it goes to an editor. This workshop is perfect for writing groups or critique partners too, because we'll go into depth on giving and receiving feedback. It will be on October 10th at 10 a.m. Pacific and include an hour of lecture and guided work and half an hour for Q&A. This event is free. You just need to register in advance and links to both of these are in the show notes. Okay, so I wanted to talk to you now about launch week. I knew it would be different, of course. No travel, no meeting readers face-to-face. It had its bright spots, so much online love and support. I got texts from friends with pictures of them holding their copies. My publicist emailed me glowing reviews. A magnificent bouquet of tulips showed up on my doorstep. My events felt incredibly special. But to be honest, it was a tough week. There are so many hopes and expectations that come with a book launch, and I put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself for this one. There were so many things I wanted to pull off, but the truth is, we're a working family with a young child at home in the midst of a pandemic with fires raging across our coast, and none of that eased up any just because my book came out. It was a week of negotiating schedules as always, a week of struggling to keep up with emails, a week of wishing I had more time to devote to my work and more time to devote to my family. A week of trying to do all that I could and failing over and over again. I share this not because I'm looking for sympathy, I'm really not, but to acknowledge that what we're going through right now, what we're all going through, is really hard. The best thing I did for myself all week was to decide one night to take a bath and go to bed early instead of completing the newsletter I had intended to send out. I had to let go of a lot. My expectations for myself and others, any sense of control over how the book would sell, the fantasy that I would spend the week in my newly furnished and painted office drinking tea and finally mastering the art of online communication. But I learned some things too that I would love to share with you now. One, bookstores and libraries are still here for us and they're still incredible. They aren't selling the numbers of books that they did when they held in-person events, but they worked with my lovely publicist, Elise, with such warmth and enthusiasm to host me. They made graphics for the events and helped spread the word, wrote up detailed instructions, moderated and made encouraging comments, and provided me with a space to celebrate my book with readers and family and friends. We should all go online as often as we're able to and buy books from our favorite independent stores, both locally and across the country. They really need our help right now. Two, virtual events are so much better than no events at all. I'm feeling pretty burnt out on screens and discouraged by how long our socially distant lives will need to last. But talking to my friends about my work and seeing so many familiar names pop up in the comments felt so good. To borrow a sentiment from Watch Over Me, it felt like standing side by side with someone and seeing the same thing. Three, it's time to try new things. When I was discouraged, experimentation lifted me up. Taking over Skylight Books' Instagram account, collaborating with my friends at If You Were Here Now, planning the workshops I mentioned at the beginning of this recording. It helps to be active, to be curious, to find new ways of reaching out. Four, maintain perspective. 
This one remains the same, pandemic or not. The work of writing books and having them published, of sustaining a career, it's easy in the flurry of energy that comes with any new project to place all your hopes on it. But it's one moment in a career full of them. So wherever you are in your work right now, remember that there is more to come, that everything you're doing now is part of something bigger, something you might not yet be able to imagine. And speaking of imagining, I want to tell you a little bit about where I am now in my work in hopes that it might speak to you in yours. Over the last couple months, I've been working on two fiction projects, one about a little girl who lives in a small San Francisco apartment building and spends her days going from unit to unit, socializing with all of her neighbors. In this fictional world, there is no pandemic, no wildfire smoke, The sun is always shining, and we can breathe the same indoor air. The only worries to be had are small and solvable. The other project is set in a near-future California during wildfire season. It's full of tension and anxiety and difficulty and despair, and resilience and strength in the face of a brutal world. And in working on both of these projects at the same time, I've had a version of life to look forward to, a version that fills me up and gives me hope. And I've also had a version that helps me look at life head on, drives me to action, aids me in making sense of what we're suffering through. Life and art, truth and beauty, I'm holding fast to all of it right now as we catapult toward the uncertain and difficult months ahead. I hope that you're able to do the same, or that you find your own way to anchor yourself, lift yourself from despair, and motivate yourself to take action. I'm going to think of every public statement I make, every postcard I send, every dollar I donate, as a flower I'm placing at Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's grave. Let's look toward a brighter future. Let's fight with all we have to get there. Before I go, I want to read to you from Watch Over Me one last time. Here is a small moment in the novel, a flash of joy after a dark night. A knock at my door awoke me. It was morning, and as I eased myself out of bed, I was surprised that the ache in my side remained, even in daylight. I checked my foot, a dried speck of blood, but nothing more. I didn't know what to make of it didn't know what to feel. Before unlatching and opening the door, I glanced at myself in the mirror and smoothed my hair, relieved to find I still looked like myself. Lee was on my doorstep, smiling, a breakfast tray in his hand. Happy birthday, he said. You're a whole decade older than me now. And you've brought me breakfast in bed? Julia sent me. She made you pancakes and bacon, And she sent a plate for me too, but she said not to stay too long because sometimes people like quiet mornings on their birthdays. His smile widened. But, I mean, it is Saturday, so if you don't want a quiet morning, I can stay as long as you want. Come in, I told him, laughing, and I barely felt the soreness anymore. I was full of light, Lee and me in my little cabin. I'll warm it up in here, I said. We'll have an inside picnic. That sounds amazing. I piled the logs and crumpled the newspaper, smiling through all of it. And when I turned, Lee had set the tray on the rug by the bed. 
two heaping plates and a small pitcher of syrup, butter in a little dish, a glass of milk, a mug of coffee with cream. I sat across from Lee on the rug. He was dressed in his pajamas and I was in my nightgown. The room smelled like maple and the night before was gone. Would you like syrup, my lady? Lee asked in a formal, unidentifiable accent, holding the pitcher daintily between two fingers. Why, yes, good sir, I said, and he poured, and we ate, until our plates were empty, and I felt like a girl from a novel or a movie. I felt like a girl from a different time. And all the while, I told myself, remember this feeling, how perfect this is. Remember Lee's sweet face and his proper manners. Remember the maple and the salt. Remember the warmth of the coffee in your mouth, the crackling of the fire, the glow of the room in the early morning when it's just you and Lee and the world is safe. I'd like to thank my brother, Jules LaCour, for the music, my friend Mia Nolting for the new cover image, and Sonic's podcasts for the production. And thank you for listening. It's an honor to share these thoughts with you. I'm wishing you well wherever you are. I'm sending you my love, and I'll see you soon in one form or another.